thought we might chat about a subject that influences your daily life in ways you're unevenly aware of. It's a means of communication that doesn't involve words. It guides your behavior, mood, affection, and aggression. We're talking about face perception, which conveys a wide variety of information about an individual from sex and age to mood and personality traits. So Ian, let's talk about faces and the facial expressions that people make. All right. So, believe it or not, you can detect a face in a visual scene after only 100 milliseconds. And just one to two gazes can be enough to figure out if you recognize that face. So that means that in less than the time it takes to blink, which is about 400 milliseconds, you can detect a face and possibly even determine if you know that face. Of course, it can take longer than that in some cases, but we have the capacity to identify and recognize a face very rapidly. That's pretty fast. So, we're all here to learn from you about how this works in the brain. So, do we have a part of the brain that's specifically sensitive to faces? Right. So, face perception seems to like become a kind of scientific battleground for different hypotheses of how the brain uses sensory information to build internal representations of things like how we recognize familiar environments or how we interpret the intentions of other people. Okay, so science doesn't quite know yet. How how is it a battleground still? Well, it looks like there are two general camps, the analytical model and the holistic or configural model of face perception. The analytical perspective suggests that the system works to extract specific pieces of information to characterize the face. In other words, the perception of a face is processed part by part. For example, research has shown the eyes and eyebrows to be very dominant features when people are asked to evaluate the emotions of other people from just pictures of their faces. On the other hand, the holistic or configural model suggests that the face is perceived as a whole unit. So there's a simultaneous integration of multiple parts of a face into a single perceptual representation. For example, there are certain cartoon style illusions that are perceived as faces, but none of the parts of the cartoon would be perceived as part of a face if presented in isolation. Like if you looked at just part of the cartoon that looks like a nose, you wouldn't recognize it as a nose without seeing the parts that look like the eyes and mouth. An example of this would be like the composite face illusion. So who's winning? Do the analytical perspective people have more support than the holistic or vice versa? Or should I say who's right? Or should I say who's more right? Well, I can't be sure, but a few papers suggest that there's something like a middle of the road approach to combining the two models. How very much like science to incorporate all the data. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it just works out that way. So instead of analyzing the eyes, mouth, nose, cheeks, and chin independently, it looks like the system might work more big to small or coarse to fine. In other words, the initial perception of a face is the whole face in a very general way, and with more time observing, greater detail is perceived. Okay, so it sounds like there's a way to reconcile and combine the two camps. Um, it's more a matter of how much time the brain has to perceive more and more detail. That's kind of like what you're saying. Yeah, pretty much. That that's pretty much right. Okay, so I know that you don't like to talk about regions of the brain. You like to be much more specific and talk about certain circuits of the brain that are responsible for certain tasks. So what? circuits in the brain are responsible for facial recognition and, and face perception. Right. There are undoubtedly circuits that are responsible for this perception. But like always, we haven't gotten down to the nitty-gritty enough to know exactly where it's taking place. And again, like a lot of our understanding of neuroanatomy, much of our understanding comes from injuries and lesions. Like people who have, for one reason or another, had some damage to particular parts of the brain 
like carbon monoxide poisoning or traumatic brain injuries, certain forms of epilepsy or neoplasms, or even Alzheimer's disease. We can then see how their cognition and behavior is altered in the absence of those damaged parts of the brain. Well, there's a condition called prosopagnosia, which was first described in the 19th century, and it's the inability to recognize faces that can't be attributed to simpler sensory visual deficits, or more global intellectual deficits. And we tend to see this condition in people with damage largely in the right hemisphere, in the area around the junction between the temporal and occipital lobes. Also, when someone's shown a picture of a face, we can record significant changes in electrical activity in that same area, about 170 milliseconds after the face is first shown. There's even a name for that response, the N170. And it only seems to occur when exposed to faces, not when exposed to visual stimuli that aren't faces. But scientists aren't yet sure that this area is responsible for face perception? Well, some scientists probably are sure that it's enough to say that that area of the brain is responsible for facial perception. But there are definitely other scientists that argue otherwise. So it's probably more accurate to suggest that there's a bunch of information detected at the same time elsewhere in the brain before that signal in the occipitotemporal area occurs. So like before that 170 milliseconds. Also, an absence of that N170 signal doesn't suggest that there's no facial detection going on. More that there's an accumulation of data elsewhere in the brain that then result in the N170 signal occurring. Despite that, it's safe to say that there's a circuit that likely converges in this occipitotemporal area that's central to facial perception. Okay, let's go back to what we said earlier about how we could extract a lot of information about faces, like emotion, gender, familiarity. And I know you and I have talked a lot about this outside of the podcast. How accurate are we at identifying this information? Well, we're definitely influenced by our cultures and societies when it comes to certain aspects, but I was surprised by the literature suggesting that we're actually pretty accurate when it comes to certain judgments. Here's where it gets interesting, folks. From just still grayscale photographs, it turns out that people are actually pretty good at identifying the political affiliations of both professional politicians and just college students. This research group has done a bunch of interesting studies to evaluate how good people are at identifying Republicans and Democrats from pictures alone. It turned out that from a group of students looking at 118 Democrats and Republicans from the 2004 and 2006 Senate elections, people were able to identify candidates' parties significantly better than chance. So this blows my mind that basically people are able to predict what party you belong to, you know, a Democrat or Republican, based on the way you look. Right, not like 100% of the time, but better than chance. And not only that, but when a similar group of people were asked to do the same task, but with pictures of university students instead of politicians, they were able to identify them with similar accuracy. Right, so it wasn't just politicians. That's right, and they went a bit further than that. The groups were asked to rank pictures of the politicians, then the university students, with certain personality traits, four to be specific. They were dominance, facial maturity, likability, and trustworthiness. These four traits correlate with submissiveness versus dominance, babyishness versus maturity, likability versus unlikability, and trustworthiness versus untrustworthiness. Keep in mind, the pictures were the same pictures of university students and politicians used in the Democrat or Republican test. Well, I'm not going to ask you to guess which groups of students, those perceived as Republicans or Democrats, ranked higher on scores of dominance or likability. And I almost want to ask the listeners to guess, because it'd be interesting to see if people's expectations of these groups correlate with their instincts. But it turned out that, in the final analysis, Republicans were ranked as appearing more powerful, and Democrats were ranked as appearing warmer. 
and the perception of traits associated with power could predict if the person in the picture was a Republican. That's so crazy to me. In other words, these study participants were able to predict if a person in a gray picture was either a Republican or a Democrat. And when they were asked to rank pictures of people without knowing their party affiliation, they associated actual Republicans with appearing more powerful and actual Democrats with appearing warmer. That's right. And get this. People seem to agree across cultures on those traits. So those studies were done in America. A similar group evaluated if American and Japanese participants would agree on similar traits of politicians from the legislatures of both countries. The group asked American and Japanese participants to provide naive inferences of traits associated with power and warmth for faces of candidates who ran in the 2006 and 2000 legislature elections. They then asked both American and Japanese participants to predict electoral success of both American and Japanese candidates. Okay, well it turned out that these naive judgments of traits predicted the percentage of votes that candidates actually received, regardless of culture. The difference was in how they felt the political outcome would be based on those traits. So this gets a little complex, but basically this is how it went. Both American and Japanese participants would rank the same faces as either powerful or warm. However, Americans incorrectly identified the faces of successful Japanese candidates and vice versa. This appeared to be because the candidates perceived as more powerful tended to be more successful in America, while candidates perceived as warmer were more successful in Japan. So participants were basically projecting their own preferences on the other country, but both countries agreed on whether the faces appeared more powerful or warmer. That's pretty cool. So there are basically some facial traits that people from different cultures universally tend to deem as more dominant or more powerful, and other facial traits perceived as warm or more likable. But the way those traits are then interpreted to identify leaders is different. That seems to be the case. And this was true for a similar study involving Taiwanese participants of different age groups as well the same outcomes were observed. And this more recent study, done in 2016, even found that people could accurately distinguish Republicans and Democrats, essentially called the Kuomintang and the Democratic Progressive Party in Taiwan, by just the eyes and eyebrows in pictures. And I'm sorry if I butchered Kuomintang. <laughs> just the eyes and eyebrows? So they must be pretty important then. Yeah, they seem to play a very, very big role in facial perception. And it gets a little creepy when we start to look at how these facial perceptions are able to predict electoral success or even the profits of companies judged by the faces of their CEOs alone. What? You're saying that people can predict company profits based off of the pictures of a CEO's face? <laughs> yeah. It turned out that faces rated as being higher in power-related traits were significantly related to company profits. Also, perceived leadership scores were associated with company profits as well. Interestingly though, perceived leadership and power were not correlated. And similarly to that, a group at Princeton showed that candidates who are perceived as more competent based off of grayscale headshots of senators won in over 70% of their races. So if I ever become a CEO, I need to do something to my eyes and eyebrows so people think that my company's <laughs> going to make really high profits. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but it really makes you think, right? Each election cycle has hundreds of millions, if not billions, when considering modern presidential primary and general elections, 
of dollars spent to try and convince people that a candidate is worthy of your vote. This kind of research makes you wonder if politics might be a bit simpler than pundits on TV seem to speculate. Maybe these kinds of unconscious processes play a major role in how likely someone is to vote for a given candidate, and for some people in certain conditions in certain cultures, no amount of money will convince them for or against a given candidate. Of course, it's important to remember that none of these papers show that people are 100% accurate, but among a group of people, they're statistically more accurate than chance. So what I've learned is that if I'm ever helping a political campaign or advising a CEO, my number one task is going to be getting a focus group together <laughs> to see how powerful and competent that person's face uh, appears to the general public. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if among the various political consultants that work to get their candidates elected, some of them have read this very line of research. And all of this just from your face. Right? It really drives home the point that while we've accomplished some amazing and beautiful things as homo sapiens, our more complex brain is built on scaffolding that's very similar to other primates like chimpanzees and bonobos. So while you almost certainly feel like the choices you make are informed by a wealth of cognition and experience, analysis and forethought, a big part of it might be that your inner primate just feels more comfortable with the face of one person over another's. So Ian, mm -hmm. did you know that there was once a face that launched a thousand ships? Yeah, Helen of Troy, right? Yeah, she must have had some really nice eyes and eyebrows. 